Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Royal Strong and True Podcast. We are super excited to be with you this week. We are well rested. We took our nap. It The bye week has come and gone. It is time to preview BYU's game versus TCU. We got lots of stuff to talk about. BYU sports is going crazy right now, so there's a lot to get to. Week uh, six was absolutely crazy as well. Rivalry games going crazy. Butt bowls going crazy. Lots of fun stuff there as well. You have a lot to look forward to in this episode. Do you enjoy it? Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, whatever platform you may be listening to this on. Make sure you are following us on Instagram and Twitter where you will find lots of fun and interactive content and where if you send us messages, your comments will be featured in the show. Make sure that you are visiting our website, royalstrongandtrue.com, where you'll find Jared's weekend watch guides that will tell you what games to watch, when and where to fully maximize your college football viewing pleasure over the weekend. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Let's bull. Go Tigers. But that field judge on the far side is in their pocket, man. Go over here, that's right! Let's back this bull yeah! <laughs> yes! Let's go wild, let's man. Go, baby. Let's go. And welcome back, everybody, welcome, to another welcome. episode of the best podcast. Uh, we're here. It's me, Jared. Justin, you're right there. Uh, I am right there. Mm-hmm. Let's let's just jump right into it. As always, we have a lot to get to, but you know we're about to start things off with some housekeeping. Oh heck yeah! Like Jared is saying, he ain't lying. This is the number one podcast in the world, titled the Royal Strong and True Podcast. Now we're gonna start off the housekeeping with some international sports. Ooh. Can you believe that? We're, we're we're leaving the confines of the beautiful American football sphere, and we're gonna talk about football. We're going to talk about more football, but this is something weird, Jared. Let me run this by you. Okay. The Olympic Committee has decided that in 2028, the Olympics will include flag football. What? In stadio? Flag. How how do you feel about flag football becoming an Olympic sport? Uh, I mean, I'm stoked. I... Inherent like flag football is fun for like, you know, growing up when your brain is still developing, and for <laughs> uh like forty year olds who don't want to break their hips tackling each other. Yeah, turkey um, bowl style. Yeah, exactly. Flag football for like the top of the top international athletes. I, I mean, color me intrigued, but I just don't think it's gonna be as interesting as tackle football would be but at the very least it's football right like this is something that any country can do you don't need the infrastructure for pads and equipment and and you know the medical requirements so it, it, it's interesting but i i don't know i will have to watch it first before i can really have a strong take on it i have so many questions about this because like do you do like what you did with basketball back in the day when professionals weren't allowed to play for the Olympic team? Like, could you imagine just like 
you could put 11 people from any other country at all on the field versus just literally just Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. <laughs> like Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase probably win that game 11 to nothing. Like, <laughs> like, like if you're going like by ones to 11 or whatever you're doing, or like you put Lamar Jackson out there literally by himself and he just jukes out an entire country. Like, do do our professionals play in this? Like, how do you work this? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know because it's it's inherently going to be like super different than like the football we know. But like, I yeah, I don't know because if you do college players, how does that like? Is it going to turn into like the basketball thing? Like you said, I don't know. Or is it going to be a completely new demographic? Like, is this going to be a bunch of like intramural kings that go up against, you know, these <laughs> scrawny little people that are just like fast and twitchy, right? Because this kind of football, like you don't need to be big for, like you just need to be able to move your hips so they can't grab your flag. So I have no idea. I I mean, I'm, I'm definitely interested. I'm definitely excited to see how this unfolds and, and I'll watch a couple of games. But yeah, I have no idea what this is going to look like whatsoever. Now, I would love that and support that, Jared. What you just said, like, you know how, like, the Little League World Series, to represent the United States, you have to go through a set of tournaments locally, uh, regionally, and then, like, a state-by-state basis, right, to claim the crown of representing the United States. They should have a league like that where all of the Division I intramural champions from every country in the nation all play each other in a giant tournament, and the winner has the right to represent the United States in the flag football Olympics. That would be quite something. Um, I'll put in a word for my brother's team, the Butt Munchers. Maybe we could get the Butt Munchers representing the United States in the 2028 Are you telling me? Heck yeah, the butt much. But are you are you seriously telling me that you would not tune in ESPN Plus to watch like the intramural championship game versus like Youngtown State versus like the University of Alaska at Anchorage? Like, <laughs> dude, I heck yeah, definitely tune in. <laughs> I would tune in. I'd pay extra for that. Yeah, that's super interesting. I'm I'm actually really excited. I assume it's going to be kind of like seven on seven. Um, I guess yeah. Mostly just like corners and safeties versus wide receivers. Uh, but yeah, I'm interested to see how it works. Like how much, I don't, I don't know. Is it just going to be a bunch of fat guys that win their annual Turkey bowl? Uh, I don't know. I'm very excited to see it though. 2028. So let's see. That's, I guess that's, you know, five years away. We'll see. Yeah, like, two Olympics away. Qualifying in three or four years. Dude, I'm excited for it. And it's something you might be excited for Jared as a LAX man yourself. Lacrosse is also added to the Olympics in 2028. Now that one is like super interesting because you need a ton of stuff to play lacrosse. Like it is one of the most expensive sports to play in America. Um, I can't imagine trying to play that in Mali or Afghanistan or something or Russia. Like, I don't know. I, that one is very interesting. I wonder if it's actually going to be lacrosse or if it's going to be kind of like women's lacrosse. Uh, where you're not allowed to like hit each other and you don't wear pads because there's no contact allowed. Um, I'm excited to see that one because if it's true lacrosse, 
like college lacrosse, like Penn State and John Hopkins level lacrosse, um, then it's going to be freaking sick. And that I will watch. Uh, but if it's, you know, like the PLL or women's lacrosse or, or, or another form of lacrosse where it's tweaked to fit the TV viewership model and to not allow contact, maybe uh, not so excited about that. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. You're the LAX expert. I didn't even know there was a difference between college lacrosse and the PLL. It, All I know about college lacrosse is that one Duke lacrosse scandal that happened a long time ago. That's literally the only thing <laughs> I know because it shows up on ESPN 30 for 30 every once in a while. Uh, well, to all our listeners out there, if you want to watch some very, very exciting sporting uh, events, uh, tune in in the spring. That's when the men's lacrosse college like season is. And it's wild. Very, very fun. It's a brutal sport. Uh, it, it's awesome. Uh, and so I'm excited to see that in the Olympics, as long as it's true to the nature of the sport. All right, man. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, moving along with Olympic sports, maybe not at the Olympic level, but Olympic sports at BYU. We have BYU women's soccer, who actually won a game at home in the Big 12. Yeah. Hey, there we go. Okay. Okay. Good job. Uh, they drew versus number seven, Texas Tech at home. Uh, interesting game. Uh it's okay. I mean, a tie against a number seven team when we were also number seven. I mean, it just had to be, right? Yeah. Um, and then they also played another game against Kansas State at home, and they won 2-0, had some of the most incredible goal scoring. Like, the two goals that were scored were absolutely insane. And then today, uh, they were upgraded to number eight. Uh, so oh. actually downgraded from downgraded seven to, to number eight. eight. Yes. Whereas Texas Tech, interestingly enough, moved up to six. Um, oh. So even though we drew and then won, we moved down a spot while our opponent moved up. Maybe that's because we were playing at home. We didn't use the home field advantage to our opponent. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, we are now number eight. All right. I mean, hey, this is still a top 10 ranking. So, I mean, you can't complain about that. And speaking of top 10 rankings, we can segue straight into BYU women's volleyball, who had a bye week, seven days of no games after playing Texas back-to-back. Uh, but then they did play Oklahoma, beating them 3 nothing in Norman, a clean sweep, which earned them the right of moving up from number 10 to number 9 in the nation. Uh, great. I mean, these are great spots for our teams to be. Uh, top 10, um, obviously, this is a brand-new league, a brand-new level of competition for both of those teams. And we're seeing the adjustment period. Uh, we're seeing them go through that adjustment period. Uh, but it's still good to see that we're still maintaining uh, a level of excellence that is good enough to get us a high seed in the NCAA tournament and a high ranking. Yeah, fun fact. I saw this from Cougar Stats today on Twitter. When you add on aggregate BYU women's volleyball, BYU women's soccer, and BYU football, the three major sports that are going on right now, we have the highest record, or sorry, the highest ranking, the best record in all of the Big 12 when you combine all three. Oh, wow. That's Dominance cool. at the all-sport level. BYU's in everything school. We're coming for the Director's Cup, Stanford. We're coming. <laughs> we're coming. Tuck ain't coming. <clears throat> <laughs> well, well, actually, he was. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, okay. <laughs> Calm down, Jared. Let's move on, move on, move on. This one is explicit. 
yeah, uh, let's talk about something a little more exciting. Uh, BYU men's rushing. Sorry, rushing. Running. Uh, same thing, football right? mind. Yeah. Football mind. Just went straight to football. Um, there was the Chicago Marathon that happened this past week. Cool. For those of you that don't know, Chicago Marathon is one of the most um, competitive marathons in the world. A lot of competitive racers come to race in this marathon. Um, two BYU runners were in the event, Connor Mance and Clayton Young. They finished sixth and seventh overall in the Chicago Marathon. They were the two fastest Americans. Wow. That deserves a clap. That's very impressive. Fastest Americans. Uh, we'll take that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, they were insane. I I forgot to write down their exact time here, but I did the math on their pace. They finished just five seconds away from each other. Okay. Both of these runners ran 26.2 miles at a four minute and 53 second pace. <laughs> Are That's you, insane. What? Under a five minute mile for a whole marathon? Uh-huh. Yeah, dude, I couldn't run under a five-minute mile if I trained for a year. Like, not just one mile. One mile on its own. I couldn't do it. Right? I probably couldn't run at a five-minute mile pace for more than, like, ten steps. That's insane. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Even more of a shout-out to them. They get They're another clap different. for that one. You get two claps. They're built different. I don't understand it. Yeah, definitely built different. Um, and speaking of built different... Um, it came out that Utah killed the Pack X. Wow. Wow. Do elaborate, Jared. Um, yeah, so it came out. I can't remember the guy's name that reported on it, but basically he did this deep dive into why the Pack 12 at the time, the Pack X, uh, did not get a media rights deal um, until like way, way down the line, uh, right, with the Apple debacle and stuff. And it's because. Utah president and uh, well, so the Utah president went to a professor uh, with the kind of situation they were in and they came up with a $50 million evaluation for the PAC 12 uh, that was eventually brought to the table and got them laughed out of the room with broadcast partners. And then in came the big 12, right? Well, and the whole thing with the big 12 is taking the money and then Utah doing this. But basically what it all boils down to is that Utah was the one that killed the Pac-12. Yeah, that is absolutely hilarious. Poetic justice, they killed the thing that they were most proud of. <laughs> right. Um, I will say that Utah's president has precedent. Um, the president is presidented Ooh. at BYU. Um, you think of President Wheelwright who was the president of Rick's College, or BYU-Idaho, when Ooh. the sports were discontinued there. Oh, nice. He was also, he was also the president of BYU-Hawaii when they decided oh. to do away with their sports program there. Are you now, kidding me? The Utah president I, was the president of, the, of Utah when the Pac-X came crashing down. He was also, I kid you not, the president of the University of Southern Florida when the Big East came crashing down. What on earth? So there's two people in this BYU-Utah rivalry. They just they wanted to compete against each other for the most conferences or sporting um, things that they could kill, I guess. I don't know. That's how deep the rivalry runs. Uh, I just think it's hilarious that the Utah president 
has now killed two conferences. It, that is so funny because Utah is like the most vocal in defending the Pac-12 and hating the Big 12, right? And and the whole snobbery and and that whole shtick that we have assigned to the Pac-12, like it was, it came from Utah. That whole like like I I'm speechless. I'm speechless. You can tell I'm just jabbing at the mouth now. I'm speechless uh, that Utah was the one that did this. And then they turn around and blame the big 12. They blame everybody else. No, it was you. You did this. I just want that to be very clear. Uh, Very, very funny news when that came out uh, of nowhere, basically. No. Yeah. Literally nowhere. Like Utah was just sitting there on their bye week And then all of a sudden this pops out on them and it pops out that Cam Rising is a lot more hurt than he actually was. And the coaches have been hiding it. And there's some strife between Cam Rising and, Kyle Whittingham because of that. Dude, Utah lost the bye week. Hardcore. Yeah, hardcore lost the bye week. <laughs> Which uh, begs the question. BYU also had a bye. They did. Did they lose the bye week or did they win it? <sighs> this is hard. I don't know. We haven't heard of any new injuries. Mm-hmm. So yes, we won. Uh and there were there was time to get back some players that were injured injured um i i don't have the the details on that i know you do you were doing the research on this one um will we get any of any of our injured players back for this tcu game you know it's interesting there's conflicting information out there like there always is when it comes to byu and injury reports for whatever reason but according to Spencer Linton, the okay. um, you know, you guys all know Spencer Linton, BYU Sports Nation. Yep. He was also on Coordinator's Corner where he was able to talk to some of BYU's coaches. And he said that there is a good chance that we get the following players back versus TCU. Okay. Those being Cody Epps, Aiden Robbins. Okay. I'm going to butcher his last name. Waylon Lapuaho. 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 And Ben Bywater. Okay, okay. Now, Kalani was asked about this in his press conference, and he was very noncommittal. The whole thing, like, oh, I don't know. We'll have more information two days from now, which is what he always says. And then two days from then, he'll have information two days from then, too. Right. (laughs) Jay Hill was asked about it today, and he said that Ben Bywater and Talon Alfrey, he also mentioned him, probably will not play versus TCU on Saturday says that Isaiah Glasker will be asked to step up and play a role at that safety position. Okay, that's interesting. Um, very interesting. Glasker, uh, I mean, he's shown in fall camp, so I guess we know that. But, yeah, I don't know. I hope Raider Demuni keeps seeing snaps at safety because, I mean, he's got a ton of potential. I, I don't know, man, like – and we'll get into this a little bit later. This is going to be interesting to watch this BYU defense versus TCU's offense because across the board on those two squads, there's just so many injuries. So uh, that'll definitely be an interesting thing to watch to see if BYU has the depth to keep up in power five play. Exactly. And I think at that safety position, that's where we're weakest, right? But with Ben Bywater being out, he's an incredible player, right? He's like the heart and soul of our defense. But Harrison Taggart behind him has proved that he's an extremely capable linebacker as well. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying he's as good as Ben Bywater, but I don't think the drop-off will be as significant as it will be at safety. Right. It won't be as significant as it would have been last year. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Now, one more thing about the bye week, Jared. This is something, this is a trend I've been seeing on social media lately that I'm really not happy with. Oh, boy. A year ago, we put together a spreadsheet that, that detailed BYU's record at night and at home, sorry, at night and during the day versus opponents during the Kalani era. Yep. We posted this information on Twitter. We were laughed at. We were told that this has no pertinent information. I brought this up in an interview with Greg Rebell. Greg Rebell also thought it was hilarious. But there is something that's interesting. A year later, everyone seems to have come around. Jerem Jordan is talking about it. Other other people in BYU media are talking about it. The whole BYU Sports Nation crew is talking about it. Radio heads are talking about it. You got Ben Criddle that's talking about it. All of a sudden, it's valid a year after we did the research, Jared. Yep. What is going on? Do we care that this game versus TCU is not a late kick? Uh, let's let's see here. Um, let's go to our games this year. Even, uh, mm-hmm. we've had what two not night games, and we lost one of them, mm-hmm. and we had three night games, and we won all of them. Um, we have only lost one night game since COVID-19 hit. Um, and that's with about 20 other wins. Uh, I, I believe that BYU plays better under the lights. I believe that football is more fun under the lights in most circumstances. I care that it is not at night, um, I do think it's funny how everybody else is finally picking up on it uh, when we were definitely the first ones to talk about it. Uh, But yeah, I don't know. I don't think it means BYU is definitely going to lose, but I don't think uh, it gives us any sort of advantage that we would otherwise have. Does that make sense? That does make sense, Jared. But I want to read a take that appeared on the college football Reddit today. Okay. Um, I saw this, I saw this floating around and our good friend of the program, Matt, the long snapper sent it to me. So I think it, I think it is valid that I read this out to you. Okay. This is a theory from a fan on Twitter, on uh, Reddit. It reads, quote, BYU is a vampire team confirmed (laughs) since 2020 BYU is 21 and O in games without sunlight and 12 and 10 in games with sunlight he says quality of opponents doesn't seem to matter without sunlight byu beat four ranked teams and eight power fives with sunlight byu played two ranked teams and seven p5s but only won two of these games now things get weirder when you look at games that occur partially at night and partially at day during the day portion of these games BYU was outscored 82 to 103. (laughs) During the night portion of these games, BYU outscored their opponents 110 to 82. (laughs) A complete flip-flop. Yeah, so in that like 5 o'clock window, right, where we're playing Texas Tech. Yep. Beat during the day, but as soon as the sun sets, BYU turns it on. Do you think BYU is full of vampires? Um... I would say yes. I, I, I mean, we can't argue with cold hard facts. Um, data is data. Data numbers is data. are numbers. And also, 
something very notable that sets the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints apart uh, from the rest of the Christian community is that we don't use the cross. Now, if mm. we did use the cross, then we obviously wouldn't have a very good football team. Um, we would have to recruit a very different type of athlete. Uh, but since we don't use the cross, we just get all the vampires to come here, all of those Christian vampires. We just have planned oh, for our team. Interesting. And we're obviously unbeatable at nighttime, especially at home at nighttime. Do you think that's why our entire stadium is made out of steel beams and there is no wood in it whatsoever? Because Again, there can be no wooden stakes. We cannot argue with cold, hard facts. Mm-hmm. And everything is painted tan instead of silver. No silver bullets in our stadium. Oh, my goodness. We have... Wait, is this it, is this is very is that vampires or is that werewolves? I don't even know. I don't know either, but they're all the same, basically, in my mind. So no garlic. There's no, no garlic at the hot dog stand. Only onions. I guess it's confirmed. I mean, we can only confirm what this man has told us. What this? Well, it could be a woman. Whoever this Reddit poster is, we must confirm. Yes, it is true. It is true by our conclusive evidence. BYU is a vampire team. Whoever Kruger Dash Dunning is, shout out to you. Shout out, dude. You have unearthed college football's greatest conspiracy theory. Not only are BYU players old, but they're vampires too. Which means they're very old. So actually, everybody's been right. We need to change our take now, Justin. We need to be okay with everybody calling us old. All those opposing coaches that have been saying their average age is like 22, jokes on you. The average age of our players is actually closer to like 430. <laughs> yeah, 2200 years old, more like. Yeah, loser. <laughs> uh, regards, I mean, we'll talk about the TCU game a little bit later. Um, but as far as BYU goes this last week, it was pretty uneventful. I think yeah. we, can all, we can all agree. Which is good. An uneventful bye week is a win. I think we can put our stamp on the bye week. BYU won the bye week. All right. Chalking it up there on the schedule. Another dub. Chalk uh, it up, baby. Way, on our way to 12-1 and one before we head to the uh, Big 12 championship game. But before we move on, we must talk about the rest of college football in week six. And we don't know how to do that other than with the nifty night. Bum, bum, ba, dum. Whap, whap, whap. We start up your black for the ball. Of course, the Texas Tush Red Raiders travel to Booty Waco for their classic rivalry with the Baylor I hardly know or Bear Dookies. Both teams started slower than post Christmas constipation until Baylor Cup Your Butt got a beautiful tutty from Shoulda Used Bear and Morton and put the Zoros up 17 to three at halftime. Unfortunately for Dave and around and around she goes, his Duker never got past the P-trap, clogging the Bears offense for another quarter while the Red Raiders ran wilder than a two-year-old with the Hershey squirts. In the end, the Raiders added another racing stripe to the Bears undies, leaving them an upper ducker and a hot Carl, 39 to 14. Yeah, hate to see that, boom. But, you know, anything goes in the butt bowl. Anything goes, literally. <laughs> anything goes, number two. <laughs> we head to Kyle Allen Field, where Texas ATM 
was aiming to accelerate the Nick Saban retirement tour announcement. Jalen was mill rowing his boat upstream against the agriculturals and their weird stolen valor yell leader crew. The 12th man was rocking, causing Alabama to commit 14 penalties for an entire football field length of yardage. It did not matter, however, because Jimbo gone fishing her and all of Texas eight and four is still the worst head coach in the SEC. Yay, in the nation. Using all of his five-star talent to put up no more than two touchdowns. Gross. Alabama wins the foosball game, 26 to 20. That is gross. Speaking of gross, we head to Tempe. I mean, Tempe for another Deion Sanders show. All of the Colorado fanboys were out in force, strutting brand new gear and cheering for a team they'd never heard of until a month ago. Gotta love it, boom. Kenny Youngblood Dillingham dilled the ham out of the pansy buffaloes, putting up more of a fight than 98% of college football experts expected. Sparky's 13th and 14th offensive linemen were called down from the stands to suit up, (laughs) and third stringer Trenton Bourgeois put up 335 yards and two tuddlies to literal toddlers who are called to play because of injury. In the end, however, the pop culture gods would not be denied in making yet another mockery of our beautiful sport as Shatner Sanders led a game-winning field goal drive as time expired. Don't forget him showing off his Rolex to the Arizona State student section boom after he beat the worst team in the Pac-12 on a game-winning field goal. Good job, dude. Good job. Gotta love it. Next up, we head to Kentucky, where some red birds were fighting against little leprechauns with hair redder than their own. Touchdown Jesus came to spread the feathered gospel of birds aren't real to the Louisville crowd, but was met with a strong resistance. The Cardinals treated the little Irishmen like their children, puking 185 rush yards straight down their throats. (laughs) Sam Hartman looked more like damn Fartman on the night, throwing three, count them, three interceptions to the Louisville defense. Are you kidding me? And that idiot Justin thought Notre Dame finally had elite quarterback play. (laughs) Notre Dame chokes it way out of the playoff, losing 20 to 33. Wow, never seen that before. It's a pretty pretty common thing, Boom. We had two Laramie. And the urine bombs were playing host to number 24, Fregno State. Pee pee poo poo University came out firing like a dad after getting Taco Bell with his kids going up 24 to seven at halftime. Andrew Pees the Bedsley played like he was on the Utah State A-team, leaving scoring drive after scoring drive and throwing for three totalies. The Cowmen throttled the poor Widow Doggie's defense, allowing only 38 rush yards on 20 attempts. That's Sounds like BYU, BYU offense, boom. <laughs> In the end. We're on the same page there, boom. <laughs> In the end, the ugliest, beautiful football team didn't even need to score in the second half, coasting to a 24-19 victory. You love to see that Fregno Staple somehow put 12 points up in the second half, boom. <laughs> Gotta love it. Aww. Now, l- l- let me take a drink here. Okay, okay. Gulp, gulp, gulp. Ugh. Ah. Now that we've taken a little drink of wits, 
Let's head down to the state that still maintained killing Mormons was legal until a few decades ago. Oh, where the ex-fighting coach out tigers were facing off for some tigers. Tigers and tigers were in an exhilarating battle of two overrated SEC teams. What else is new? Nothing. Full of offenses more explosive than a toddler's stomach after its first meal from Taco Bell. <laughs> Mizzou jumped out to an early lead, but LSU came leaping back like Jalen Daniels leaping over defenders and getting his ribs stone cold Steve Austin stuttered. <laughs> Someone, unfortunately, let Brady cook, throwing two interceptions and a game ceiling pick six to the Tigers. LSU wins it 49 to 39. Maybe let's. Don't let him cook next time. <laughs> Don't On let Brady to, cook. On to SoCal, where my brother's future children were hiding from his hypothetical rage. Huh? The wild kitties of Arizona walked into the half-empty Coliseum and asked, Are you not entertained? After going up 17-7 in the second quarter, Caleb Sissy Williams and Lincoln Scaredy Cat Riley wouldn't be denied, however, doing a Woodingham-esque deal with the devil to get every stinking call in the game and forcing overtime at the end of four quarters. But alas, Jed Fish, head coach of the Wildcats, is a doofus and doesn't even know the rules. After a complete miss and not going for, not going for two at the end of the first overtime, Fish sent out the kicking team in the second OT when he's required to go for two. Then, after giving up a two-point conversion at the beginning of third overtime, his two-point conversion call was, get this, get this, a pitch play to the short side of the field! Oh, boom, you hate to see it. I literally just can't right now, boom. I literally can't. I... Turns out, Cougar fans, it could be worse. Oh, my. He wins 43 to 41. That's disgusting, boom. That is not something I like to see. <laughs> boom, you know that game, Two Truths and a Lie? Yeah. We're going to switch it up. Let's play okay. a game called Two Lies and a Truth. Ooh. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to give you a three phrases here. Your job is to tell me which one is the truth. Okay. Number one, Miami is good at football. Hmm. Number two, Mario Cristobal is literally stupider than a piece of dog crap on a third grader's failed multiplication table test that someone stepped in and smeared all over a carpet floor. Oh. Number three, the U is back. Which one? What's the truth, Boom? Uh, I'm gonna go with number two. That's right, Boom. Number two, Mario Cristobal <laughs> is literally stupider than a piece of dog crap on a third grader's failed multiplication table test that someone stepped in and smeared all over a carpet floor. Miami held a three-point lead with 38 seconds left. Georgia Tech had no timeouts. It was third down. So surely, Miami just took a knee, right? Yeah, right. I think they had to. Wrong! Miami decided to coach like Justin and Jared in NCAA football, <laughs> running the ball up the middle instead. Miami then fumbled the football, allowing Haynes King to run a few plays, and their Miami defense crapped the bed, allowing a Georgia Tech wide receiver to run free. Oh no! Georgia Tech scores a touchdown with one second left, oh, miraculously no. winning the football game, 23 to 20. Oh no! <laughs> Find the second time he's done that, boom. Finally, we have arrived at the Dallas State Fair, which is kind of funny because it's Dallas and that's not a state. But anyway, nope, where you get all of your redneck <laughs> dreams come true. After a couple of deep fried fireball shots, 
Brent Venables, and Steve the Sarkeesian led their teams into the Cotton Bowl for what would become an instant classic. The beginning of the game was as wild as is freaking possible, with the first four positions going interception, touchdown, interception, punt, block, touchdown. Dylan Gabriel played like the angel, delivering peace and good tidings to our local Homer fans, throwing for 285 yards and a tuddly while running for 113 yards and another tuddly. Wow, boom. Yeah. Erz, on the other hand, is just Generation Samson, it would seem, throwing two picks and fumbling the rock late. In the end, Gabriel appeared yet again to the Boomer faithful, leading a five-play, 75-yard touchdown drive that ended the most spectacular football game I have seen in years. Sooners win the Red River Shootout, 34-30. to 30. Wow. What a nifty nine. What a nifty nine, man. That was very nifty. There were some crazy things that happened this weekend, so we had a lot of jokes to make. So let's get into a little bit more serious of a bit. Not all that serious, right? This is the Royal Strong and True Podcast. We'll never be serious. But um, let's jump straight into that game you just mentioned, Jared. The Red River Rivalry. Tell me how you felt about it. That was, hands down, the best college football game I have seen in years. There was a level of physicality and violence in the game that I I honestly hadn't seen. Like, the hitting was so hard on both sides of the ball both defenses swarmed to the ball like I'd never seen like I was truly speechless after this game like truly speechless I was flabbergasted taken aback I don't know that is why I love the sport rivalries bring out the best in players and coaches and and the best performances the best games we ever see that's what make college that's what makes college football amazing and great like, I, 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 I'm still speechless. I'm still speechless with how incredible that game was. Put it into context. I had the Ohio State game on my computer. This one was on the big screen. I watched every second. I loved it. Hot dang. Um, yeah, there is nothing. There is nothing like college football, and that's why I, I'm still speechless, as you can tell. But Justin, I, I, how did you feel? I mean, it, it was quite the game. But give me some, give me some breakdown. Honestly, watching this, this might be one of my favorite rivalries in the sport, man. Like, this is so good. This is so great. Like, I ran straight to our Instagram after and placed a poll. Like, is this one of the best rivalries in college football? And a lot of people said yes. Um, It's a darn shame that they're going to the SEC where I'll have to pretend that this rivalry no longer exists (laughs) just because they're in the SEC and whatever, screw the SEC. But these two teams truly hate each other. And that's what makes rivalries beautiful, right? Yep. Two teams that just line up and cannot stand the sight of one of a, one another. The burnt orange cannot stand the burgundy. The burgundy cannot stand the bur- burnt orange. Like, that is what makes this game beautiful. That's what makes it so violent, like you were saying. That's what makes it what it is. We need more rivalries where teams genuinely hate each other. I I 100% agree. It, there's nothing like this rivalry. There, the, It is exciting every year except for last year right but um absolutely incredible do we do we have to take oklahoma seriously now because i think we do i they i i know that the voters are gonna do whatever they do because that's a joke and none of them actually watch football at all they know anything yeah Mm. but i think those are two of the best teams in the country after watching that game because texas played really well obviously ewers had a couple of turnovers 
you don't like that. But Oklahoma, man, that defense, holy crud. And their little 5'10 bowling ball of a running back. I don't know. I think Oklahoma is very serious this year. I think they're a serious national title contender. Yeah, no, they're extremely good. The only thing that could derail their national championship hopes, or their playoff hopes at least, is if they have to play BYU at night in November. Um, <laughs> that would completely derail it. If it's like a noon game, um, Oklahoma will beat us by like 40 points. But oh, yeah. if they have to play us at night, that's when things get frisky. I am praying that that is like a 6.30, 8.30, whatever you know, broadcast partner picks it up, put it in the late slot um, because that's when Cougar Nation will be at its best and that's when BYU will be at its best to take down the Sooners. It's going to be Fox, 8.15 p.m., and you know what that means. Whenever there's a Fox late game, that means it's also going to be raining, sleeting, snowing. <laughs> it's going to be wet. It's going to be disastrous, and BYU will thrive. Yep, absolutely. Uh, let's move on to another game that we need to talk about. Um, we mentioned it, Georgia Tech-Miami. Bro, Mario, what are you doing, dude? This is not NCAA football. There is no excuse for stupidity like this. I'm sorry. I We talk about it all the time, and we're going to pretend like it's real, but you don't actually have to listen to us, Mario. You can nope. kneel the football. That's okay, especially when you're in a mm-hmm. close game and the other team is playing lights out and you're playing like crap. Get the frick out of Dodge, dude. There's no excuse for that. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. mind-boggling. What's hilarious is that when you watch back the tape, you can literally see like the short, skinny analyst guy. He literally comes up to him and the offensive coordinator and says, kneel the ball, and he gets ignored and pushed out of the way. Oh, my. And then they run the freaking football and fumble it. I don't, I don't know why you run the ball in that situation. It makes no sense, right? It's not like kneeling is a new concept. It's been <laughs> around in football for forever, right? Like, honestly, like, just win the dang football game, Okay. But what makes it the most egregious is that this is not the first time a Mario Cristobal coach team has done this. <laughs> like when he was the head coach at Oregon, he did the exact same thing, same scenario, and they fumbled the football. I can't. How do you not learn after the first one? How how do you not learn? Right? I, like, I don't know. I all I'm gonna say is that when. All the Miami fans were super excited because they got Mario Cristobal and we all called it a bad hire because Mario Cristobal can't win big games. Can't really do any, like he's not that good of a coach. This is Uh exactly what we're talking about. We had it called ever since the inception of this podcast. Mario Cristobal is not a good coach. He's a recruiter. Hire him as a recruiter. Exactly. Which is great. But you, you can't give him game like decision-making capabilities or responsibilities. Mm. Uh, yeah, you have yeah, to yeah. take his headset away. He's not allowed to have a headset. The only <laughs> headset that he's allowed to have is the headset that he uses for Zoom calls with recruits. That's right? the only headset that he is allowed. During games, he should just be at the recruit box, hanging out mm-hmm. with all the recruits, watching the game from the press box or sideline or whatever. He yep. shouldn't be anywhere near the actual game. And it's funny because Miami football's like recruiting section, they had like a full like 20 yard area roped off for just recruits and it was filled to the brim. Oh no. And the funniest thing about it, right? That happens. And the day after they sign one of the high, like the most highly touted wide receiver recruits in the entire state of Florida. 
Like that <laughs> is the Miami experience. It's kind of like Texas. Miami is the new Texas A&M, right? Jimbo Fisher isn't yeah. going to last for long. There's got to be someone else that does nothing but waste five-star talent. <laughs> that is Mario Cristobal's job. He, the torch has been passed. He will now do it. If you're a Miami fan, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, if you're a Miami fan, first of all, glad to know that you exist. Glad to know that you exist out of the wild. <laughs> um, yeah, I, there's no excuse for that. And if and if you're like trying to like be aggressive, you know, and like, oh, we never take the knee because we're never like playing soft. Freaking throw shots to the end zone. Don't just run up in the middle. Like there's, there's no excuse. I mean, that's what I said, right? I said, it's like us coaching NCAA, but it's not right. Cause we are not running the football. We might call a run play up the middle in that scenario, but the second the clock hits three seconds. And of course we're going to run the clock down. Right. But the second mm-hmm. the clock hits three seconds, we are audible into four verts and we are throwing it deep. Exactly. If you're going to go big, go big. Exactly. There, there's no excuse. No excuse at all. Um, speaking of bad coaching, last game I kind of want to get into is Arizona at USC. This one was awesome. Uh, a late night game that we were staying up until I what, what was it like? Twelve thirty in the morning or something like did, I don't know. It was late. It was probably like one. Yeah, it was super super late. Awesome awesome game. Like the Fafita, Arizona's new quarterback. Like he should be the starting quarterback. You do not let Jaden Delora anywhere played near lights the starting out. job now, right? That you can't. Mm, he played lights out. He played amazing. Um, but dude, the coaching at the end of that game, I swear, dude, Jed Fish, not only did he not know like the rules of overtime, but the call to just run a pitch left to go for two. Like, are you kidding me? That's your two-point play? And then not going for two to end the game on your terms like this is colorado state all over again against colorado i i am mm-hmm. now like i used to be in the in the in the camp of all right just kick the extra point play longer you know try to exploit some different things i am now 100 out of that camp if you have a chance to end the game on your terms by going for two i don't care what the situation is you go for two right unless you are clemson or unless you are alabama um, playing a lesser opponent that's playing up to your level, and even then, I yeah, I mean, t- I take it back. I s- still say go for two every time you can. End the game on your own terms. Yeah, like I'm kind of with you there. Like, I I agree with what you were saying at first, right? Like, if you're USC, right, and you score the game winning, like the game tying score, yeah, sure, maybe you kick the extra point because you know that you're better than them and can outlast them in overtime. Right. The longer if the you're game Arizona. Time, Exactly. Right. Yeah. If you're Arizona and you came into this game, a 21 and a half point dog, you're not outlasting this team in overtime. You need, you go for two at the end. And if you win, you win, you don't, you don't. Now USC had a chance to win this football game. They had that field goal, literal chip shot field goal. That (laughs) forgot about this long snapper. (laughs) USC long snapper snaps it high. The holder has to stand up and is like squatting and still gets the ball down. But the USC kicker got out of his rhythm, right? Like, like Matt told us, like, it's a very methodical process. It's a very like calculated process. Yeah. You throw one thing off, it throws everything off. He kind of double clutches, kicks the ball straight into like the back of his like (laughs) lineman's butt. And 
you know, they go into overtime because of that. So there was there was a lot of things happening. But I got to say, Jared, and this might be a hot take. I love USC football. I love it. Okay. Okay. Now, let me be clear. Yeah, I want to hear uh, the reason. Let me be clear. <laughs> that, that was the worst Obama impression ever. But um, <laughs> uh, it's not a long-term love. It's more of a kind of like a summer fling that I'm going to regret later. But okay. it's it's still there, you know? <laughs> I love the fact that they just line up against the team and say, we're not going to play a lick of defense. We will just <laughs> outscore you. And then they do it. In- incredible. Awesome. Fun to watch. It's it's fun to go on a date with, right? Not fun to marry. It's, it's not, not something you want to marry. So it's, it's, it's very, um, I don't know. It's, it's very weird love, but I love USC football. Uh, right I'm in the same, I'm in the same camp. If we're doing the uh, kiss, marry, kill, or whatever the Mormon people call it, right? Um, yeah, kiss. Kiss, absolutely. Yeah. We are macking with USC right now, right? Heck yeah, dude. Total Nickmo status. Fair enough with the USC. Exactly, exactly. All day long. This is, no what? not any, you would put zero faith, zero trust in this person, but every Saturday night, you know exactly what you're doing. Right? Like, mm-hmm. that is the relationship with USC You're right getting now. Those I'm lips ready. I'm 100% with you on USC right there. Um, what, do, what, do, what do we call that as BYU students? You know, obviously you can't call it its original name. Kiss, Mary, kill. Um, Durf, Mary, kill. <laughs> Soak, Mary, kill. Soak, Mary, kill. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, kissing, derfing, whatever with USC. Yep, absolutely. Um, anytime they play, we're going to be watching and just enjoying every second of it. But when it comes to mm-hmm. make playoff picks or game picks, out the window. Exactly. No loyalty whatsoever. <laughs> no long-term commitment. None at all. Yep. Um, I think that about does it, unless you have any other thoughts on uh, the week that was. No, dude, I'm ready to talk to a team that we are long-term committed to. You know, absolutely. this is... This is the one you're getting engaged to. This is the one you're getting sealed to in the temple. We're yes. talking about Brigham Young University, the Cougars, who will play the Texas Christian Uni- University Horned Frogs at 1.30 p.m. on ESPN. Yeah, I mean, 1.30 kick. Uh, don't love it, but it's okay. It's on ESPN again. Um, cool. Doesn't exactly bode well. The last time we were playing at 1.30 p.m. on ESPN, we lost to Kansas. So, uh, mm. Let's just hope for a different result, right? But the definition of insanity is doing everything uh, the same and hoping for a different result. So let's hope some things have changed over the bye week. Uh, this is an interesting series. BYU, TCU didn't play a lot. They played a little bit in the WAC. They played the Mountain West. TCU leads the series 6-5, so pretty close all time. But they've won the last four, and they've won them by a combined score of 139-45. to 45 that yeah it's been bad it's been bad they have absolutely destroyed us in the last couple of meetings um the byu we only scored once in three of those four games so if that tells you anything about how tcu was playing uh, at the end of their days in mountain west compared to how we were uh this tells you everything so we are now back on the same field yeah. with tcu do you consider tcu a rival still well, first of all, let me get this out of the way. I, I need to address this. Andy Dalton is BYU's daddy. Got to get it out there. You know, yep. I, 
he we may yes. be the only plain, plain sons of Andy Dalton, but yes. <laughs> plain and simple. Um, unfortunately, we had college game day at our campus once, and TCU fadoodled us during that college game day event. Uh, but moving on, is TCU still a rival? I do still harbor some kind of negative feelings towards TCU, but their hypno-toed run last year kind of expelled all that hatred from my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily consider TCU a rival. I think that they could become a rival. Um, we yeah. asked our fans on Instagram what they thought about this, and only one person of the more than 70 people that viewed the story responded saying that they harbored any negative feelings at all toward the Horn Frogs. Oh, so, I don't know. What's your take on this? I don't know. I I don't really have any negative feelings. Like I remember back in the day, it was fun because TCU was like good, and so it was fun to play them and stuff. You know, um, I would definitely not say they're a rival. I like. I think for there to be a rivalry, you have to absolutely hate their guts. And I don't hate TCU's guts. Maybe we will, like you said. Maybe they'll be like dirty, and maybe there'll be some bad blood. You know, close game. Um, but there has to be that hate. Like BYU Baylor mm-hmm. is not a rivalry, even though there were two good games. Uh, we can call right? it the revivalry, right? Or or is that ba- Baylor and uh, TCU? Is that the revivalry? I have no idea. <laughs> um, okay. sorry, my bad, my bad, my bad. No, 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 you're good, you're good. I just I think we need to hate them in order for it to be a rivalry, and I just don't think they're. I don't think that hate exists. You know. Mm. So. The question remains then, BYU hates Utah. You know, that that will always be a rivalry. Absolutely. Is BYU capable of becoming a rival with any other school because our football program is so nice? Now, like our basketball program, right, isn't very nice. We've developed rivalries with Gonzaga, with St. Mary's, pure hatred, right? But our football program has been nothing but nice, handing out ice cream, playing other teams' fight songs. Are we capable of cultivating another rivalry the way that our program currently operates? Uh, I'll say this. I think there's been two main rivalries um, across all of BYU sports in the last, like, 10 or so years. Mm. Utah and St. Mary's. And Mm. I guess you could throw Gonzaga in there. Yeah. Uh, Maybe Utah State a tiny bit, like, when they were better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could throw Utah State in there. Um, here's the, the common, the similarity between all those teams, but namely St. Mary's in Utah is that they're scumbags. They are. Yeah. Like, they're coached by the literal devil. Both Exactly. Exactly. Coached by the devil. They're scumbags. They play a super, super dirty. Um, like it's always a slugfest rock fight. Whenever you play, like if there is a team that will do that to BYU, like unto Coastal Carolina, what they did to us in 2020. Obviously, that's not going to be a rivalry because we play them like once every 30 years, apparently. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. But if there's a team in the Big 12 that does that, I could see this being Colorado, right? Because of Dion's whole like okay. culture. Um, but Maybe. a team that is just comes out, plays dirty, scumbag, beats us in a close game. I think that's the only thing that could draw out that hatred uh, from – you know, the BYU fan base, the the players, the coaches. Um, because I think if we played Coastal Carolina again, like everybody would be fired up and ready to go, like wanting to kill them, right? If a team does that to yeah. us, then I think so. But if we're just playing close games with people, it's not going to happen. Got it. So there might be 
like fun partnerships. Yeah. But not necessarily rivalries. Right. Like I would call the Baylor one a fun partnership. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I like it. I agree with that take. I agree with that take. Let's anyway, we're, we're kind of off topic. Yeah, let's, let's get back to TCU. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> give us a scouting report on TCU because they're 3-3 three mm. three so far, so like an even 500. They're only 1-2 and two in conference, and both L's have come in the last two weeks to West Virginia and then Iowa State, who were both picked mm. to finish bottom five in the league. Uh, obviously, TCU, that's not something that you hope for coming off of a uh, – national title game run um no the 27 14 loss to iowa state last week honestly should have been way worse because iowa state um tcu threw four interceptions iowa state only scored three points um off of those four interceptions so it honestly like if i was <laughs> any sort of an offense they could have put up 50 on tcu right oh um and to add insult to injury actually to add injury to insult uh, Chandler Morris, starting quarterback for TCU, was injured, and backup Josh Hoover, damn, uh, came in, didn't play super well, 11 of 19 for barely over 100 yards, touchdown, interception, two rushes for negative 16 yards. And he is confirmed starting against BYU. So, Justin, how would you describe this TCU team right now? And how much of a threat do they pose to BYU? TCU is a really weird football team. Um, they pride themselves on their offense, right? They're an offensive machine. But when that machine breaks down, all hell breaks loose for the Horned Frogs. I mean, they only scored 14 points versus Iowa State. That's insane. Four turnovers. Now, four turnovers isn't going to happen very likely, very often, very frequently, and it's not going to happen versus BYU. There's no way that we force four turnovers. If they do, I will literally – to complete any challenge like i will go back to like the the wendy's four for four challenge that you guys did i will do that i will do that if byu forces four turnovers versus the horned frogs but their defense right is just terrible like like they're like i'm not even gonna put it nicely their offense their defense is terrible the only reason that they're ranked kind of at the middle of the pack is because they've played a bunch of teams that can't score that don't have an offense, that cannot move the ball, right? When they played Colorado, Colorado blitzed through them. Like, it was not pretty. Colorado scored any time they wanted to. Colorado's offense is good, but it's not great, right? Like, other defenses have held Colorado to a lot less points. If you can get any sort of offensive movement versus TCU, they are an easy team to beat. The question is, whether BYU can sustain offensive movement for more than a couple drives or if they can do it for more than just the last two quarters and 58 <laughs> seconds. Uh, that I think that's right where the game is going to be won, right? Exactly like you said. Can BYU's offense stay on the field? No three and outs, no quick turnovers or just quick possessions. Um, if they're scoring possessions, that's fine, right? Because if we yeah. get a big like if we get up two or three scores early on these guys like knock on wood right obviously barring injury or whatever but the game's kind of over tcu's offense uh -huh. was not built to come back from down three scores much less with a backup quarterback so i i really do yeah. think it's going to be all about can byu hold on to the ball can they maintain possession can they score when they touch the ball score touchdowns not field goals in the red zone 
Um, and I think if we do that, then we have a really good chance of winning this offense. I, I mean, yeah, they're struggling. The defense kind of mid they're like 60 to 80 in most defensive statistics. So like the bottom of power five. Uh, so we, we should have the advantage in this game. It's all about whether we can figure out the run game, the offense and not go three and out like five straight times in the first half. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, TCU, like, Sure, their quarterback was hurt, right? But of those four interceptions last week, it's not like they all came from the backup. Three of those came from the starter. Right. So they're, it's not like, I don't know. I don't know if them losing their quarterback is as big of a blow as the media or even us might think it to be. You know, Chandler Morris isn't terrible. You know, oh, sorry, sorry, not Chandler Morris. Josh Hoover isn't terrible, right? Like, He's not great, but he's not terrible, right? He did at least complete more than 50% of his passes. That's a lot more than than some backup quarterbacks can say, mm-hmm. right? Um, their running attack is good. They got Imani Bailey, who is pretty good, right? Fourth in total yep. rushing yards this year with 690, 115 rushing yards per game. He single-handedly has more than double, double what our whole team has in rushing. Oh, my goodness. Up until this point in the year ridiculous like literally more than double it's insane but i mean it's insane that byu's rushing attack is that bad (laughs) um one thing that we have over tcu is that tcu has not had its bye yet true it has already played six games and we will be the seventh in a row so i mean it's tired they're injured they are waiting for their bye week which i believe is on the other side of this game if we can slow down their running game, I am confident that our DBs, you know, our injured DB core as it is, can m- contain Josh Hoover, make sure that he doesn't have the game of his life because we do have an, a habit here at BYU of making backup <laughs> quarterbacks look like Heisman contenders. True. But if we can make him look like just a um, – what, what's the quarterback trophy? I, I, I'm forgetting the name off the top Maxwell? of Maxwell? Is it the Maxwell? Yeah. If we can make him look like a Maxwell winner and not a Heisman winner, and we can limit the rushing game, we will win this football game. Yeah, I agree. 100% agree. We are going to have to play good football. It's not like, I mean, we're saying all these things, kind of painting TCU in this bad light, which isn't dishonest. Like, it's not wrong. We're not wrong. But at the same time, like, this is still a Power 5 team. And it's not like we're going to go play like Texas state, right? We still need to show up. If we're not on our a game, we could very easily get beat. Um, Like you said, we have the bad habit of making backup quarterbacks look really, really good. But I agree. I think it's going to come down to our offense and our defense. If they can force a turnover or two, you know, get us an extra possession or so. I think we have a pretty good, um, a pretty good chance of winning. We'll get to our score later. Sorry. What were you saying? Yeah. I was just going to say, TCU is no pushover. They are favored by six points, and that right. line has moved up, right? It was at five and right. a half earlier. So, I mean, there are a lot of people out there that think TCU is a much better football team than BYU. All yep. that remains to be seen on Saturday. Yep. They must have uh, – all the betters must know about the BYU playing at night and versus the day thing because it, it's real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They saw that Reddit post about the vampires. <laughs> um, talk about scared betting. Um, uh-huh. Anyway, let's move ahead. Let's get into a full preview. Uh, And like we did last week, 
I want to give you a couple of road trips, uh, and you can kind of choose which ones you like. Okay. Uh, I love doing this because I love we we love doing road trips. I mean, we went to Oregon last year. We've been to a couple of other away games together. Uh, Tennessee, Las Vegas, Tennessee. Vegas. Exactly. So we like doing road trips. Uh, so let me list out a couple of road trips to you, and then you can kind of see which ones you like. Um, first yeah. one, Tuesday, Carolina, Coastal Carolina at App State, which was an awesome game we just watched. Um, Thursday, SMU ECU. Next, Saturday, Navy at Charlotte, which it's Navy at Charlotte. But uh, after that, Saturday night, you get Miami at North Carolina. Mm. Ranked matchup, pretty fun. Road trip number two. Saturday, 10 a.m. This is an only Saturday one. Ohio State at Purdue. Again, not incredible, but, I mean, it's a road trip. It's uh, Ohio State. Then, at night, you get USC at Notre Dame. And, I mean, come on. It's USC at Notre Dame. It's the big one. Oh. That's pretty pretty incredible. Um, that's it for trip two. Trip three, you're out here in Utah. You go to the Utah State-Fresno State game and the Cal-Utah game. Kind of interesting. Trip four, yeah. Tulane-Memphis on Friday night. And then on Saturday, you're going to Texas A&M mm. at, at Tennessee, which as much as we hate both of those teams and think they're overrated, that's still going to be a good environment. Yeah, uh, I know fun. there's a lot, but stay with me. Um, next, Ooh. West Virginia, Houston, Temple, North Texas, ULM, Texas State. So a couple of little ones. And then finally, oh. Stanford at Colorado, Boise State at Colorado State. Oh, read, read off the, the fifth one to me again. Trip number five, West Virginia, Houston, then Temple at North Texas, and then ULM at Texas State. Ooh. So a lot of I kind of like that football. one. I, there's a lot of G, good G5 football in that one. I kind of like that one. Um. Of these trips, man, dude, I don't know. Like, we got some good options here. I think I'm going to take the Utah one out just yep. because, um, you know, the games themselves aren't that interesting. So I'm going to X-nay that one. Mm, Tulane Memphis might be fun, but I don't know. Just uh, that one's I'm not feeling that one either. Okay. The first one is incredible, man. Like, you get Coastal, you get Sam Houston. Sorry, not Sam Houston. You get Southern Methodist. You get Charlotte, you get Miami, you get all of that. For me, it's in between trip one and five. One being Coastal Carolina, App State, SMU, ECU, Navy, Charlotte, Miami, UNC. And five being West Virginia, Houston, Temple, North Texas, Louisiana, Monroe, Texas State. If I had to choose one or the other, however, I think I would go with number one. More games, more bang for your buck. You get a good mix of bad G5, good G5, and P5. Give it to me. Yeah, I like that. I think for me, it's that that one's definitely up there. But for me, it's between OSU Purdue and USC Notre Dame. Trip that one's good. Just because of the USC Notre Dame game, basically, right? I mean, like it's yeah. cool to go to Purdue, um, but USC Notre Dame. I mean, come on, that one's hard to beat. But then 
for me, Trip D with Tulane in Memphis and then Texas A&M, Tennessee, if I hadn't already been to Tennessee, then I, that, that one would be high on the list because you know that stadium is going to be packed. It's going to be checkered, right? It's going to be rocking. Uh, but because I've already been to Tennessee, uh, kind of a little snobbery, I'm going to go with the Trip B, Ohio State, Purdue, just because of Ohio State. Yeah. Uh, plus, Purdue's got the big drum. And then USC at Notre Dame just because rivalry, touchdown Jesus, all of the pageantry involved, uh, like that. I just I, – I know it's only two games – and the first one isn't that good, but I think USC Notre Dame, that game makes up for it. So that's probably where I'm going. Now, let me ask you this, Jared. Yeah. You, you, you have the two trips, right? You're, you're leaning towards USC Notre Dame and, and Ohio State Purdue. Yep. Um, would you still take Ohio State Purdue if I told you the tickets for all of that is free? You, you get all your tickets for free, but the entire time that you are asleep, Purdue Pete will be hiding somewhere in your hotel room and you will wake up. Your eyes will, in the first thing you'll see in the morning, your eyes will behold nothing but Purdue Pete smiling at you or staring at you with his blank face from some weird corner of your hotel room. <laughs> Would you take that deal? Uh, how many par? How many pairs of garment bottoms am I allowed to bring? Because <laughs> every time I wake up, you know I'm pooping my pants, bro. That man is scary. He should not be allowed near small children, or old children, or adults for that matter. Nope, around nobody. Around nobody. Send him to the shadow realm. That guy's freaky. So yes, you would take it if you could bring unlimited G's. No, you wouldn't if you could only take two. Yeah. One, yep, exactly. Got it, got it. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I just love looking at road trips. It gets me excited for when I'm old and retired and can make all these road trips with my kids and my dog, sneak them in as a service animal. Um, (laughs) Anyway, I was talking about the kids there, not my dog. Um, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Of course. Um, (laughs) uh, Let's move on to, though, our upset picks. Last week, it could have been better. It wasn't bad. It could have been better, though. We each got one point, which mm-hmm. brings the total to 10 for you and five for me. Justin, North Texas, played Navy close, but couldn't quite pull out the, out, the outright win. How are you feeling about that one? You know, I, I thought North Texas was going to win this game outright, but I'm happy with the cover. I'll take it. You know, we didn't we didn't bet the money line. We bet the spread. So I'll take it. Yeah. Nope. Very respectable. I, on the other hand, am furious because Arizona, I mean, they were a cover machine a couple years ago. They're a cover machine this year. They freaking should have won the game. Ah, yeah, they should. So mm-hmm. frustrating. They're up big most of the game. Uh, they kept, like, taking the lead back and then going back. And then the end with the botched field goal, I was like, this is it. This is it. They won the toss. They get to play defense first. They get to go for two. And then Jed Fish just absolutely farted it away. So I'll take the one point, but I am very, very unhappy. Uh, I think that one should have been three. But, oh, well, we move on. We move on. Definitely definitely feels like you left a win on the field, huh, Jared? Exactly. Exactly. So frustrating. Left a win on the betting slip. Yep. This week, Jared, with your upset picks, who are you going with? Dude, going back to the well, baby. 
Arizona plus eight at Washington State. I was deciding between this one and Iowa State at Cincy. Iowa State is five-point dog oh. at Cincy. I think Iowa State starting to figure some things out, and I think Cincy looked really bad against BYU. However, mm-hmm. Cincy coming off a bye week, so I didn't feel quite as comfortable with that one with it only being a five-point spread. But I'm going with Arizona. Spreads up to eight now. Love that. Taking it hard. I think Washington State got exposed last week against UCLA. They had a ton of turnovers. They probably won't turn it over as much against this Arizona defense. But this Arizona offense can definitely keep up with Washington State. Um, So I'm going to take Arizona and the points. I think they for sure cover, lose by at most a touchdown. Again, I think they can pull out an outright dub. So uh, I'll be watching that one um, very, very closely. Hopefully Arizona can do the magic this time. Dude, Arizona, they're a cover machine. Get on the wagon and ride, baby. Cover machine, baby. Now, you know it wouldn't be an upset pick for me if it wasn't some degenerate sicko pick from some random G5 conference. <laughs> so we're, we're heading to the MAC today uh, where Bowling Green will be a four-and-a-half-point road dog to Buffalo. Um, Buffalo has not done well all year. Only one win this year, and it was versus an FCS opponent, whereas Bowling Green has randomly beat Power 5 teams. That is weird. That's that, just – it feels like the wrong team is favored there. That's what Bowling Green does. They suck versus their own caliber of opponent, but versus versus teams better than them, they show up to play. Um, I think Bowling Green is going to win this game outright, but I do think that if they lose, for me, they either win this game outright and I get the three points or they lose by 17 and I get nothing at all. So <laughs> hopefully they pull out the win. Hey, that's a risk you're willing to take, right? That's, that's good odds yeah. probably. Risk reward. Yeah. Odds be ever in our favor. Yes, of course. Of course. Um, I mean, if you take the average there, 1.5 points, right? Three and zero, 1.5. That's that's and, good value. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's move ahead to the tipsy 10 where we do our outright picks. Uh, last week was rough. Very rough. Um, yeah, not the good. fans went five and five. We both went four and six. Uh, standings are now fans at 58%. They are four games above you. Then you're two games above me. Uh, I am at a lowly 48%, and you are at 51 and two-thirds percent. Uh, how, mm. how, how are we feeling uh, after a rough week? Ready, ready for some more? Yeah, you know, I'm not feeling great. I feel like I've been having too much fun with this, right? Um, it's important to have fun in life, but you know what else is fun? Winning. Um, I think we're, I'm going to change up my strategy the last half of the season here. Ooh. It's time to dial in, catch up to the fans. It's time to have the first ever recorded 10 and 0 week here on the Royal Strong and True podcast. Oh, baby. All right. Justin has said there has been time. multiple nine and ones, multiple nine and ones by the fans and notably by Jared. The first time we ever did this, he went nine and one. Yes, um, downhill. But I'm going ten and out, baby. Uh, all right. Um, I was very frustrated because every last every, every L that I took, except for the Notre Dame L, which I just don't have a read on Notre Dame. And shout out to Louisville because they showed the frick up. But every <laughs> L I took had a lead in the fourth quarter. Every single <laughs> one, all five of them. 
So I was very frustrated. Um, they all could have won outright, uh, but it's okay. We're moving on. I also need to dial in. Um, we'll see if that means I go principal or not principal, but uh, let's just jump right into it. Um, this week, we're starting things off with West Virginia at Houston, Thursday night, 5 p.m., FS1. A lot of people thought this was the loser gets fired bowl. West Virginia is now in the top half of the Big 12 conference. Uh, yeah, Houston, weirdly enough, notably not so. So, Houston fighting for their lives kind of at home. West Virginia is a three point favorite. Justin, who are you going with in this one? After much thought on this matter, Jared, after much analytical thinking, I was going to take Houston. Oh. But um, just to like kind of stake their claim it'd be funny if they got their first win versus West Virginia who's doing very well but um I just think West Virginia is kind of a wagon right now they know what they're doing they're doing it well they know who they are they're not the best they're not the greatest but they know what they're good at and they do that well they pack their lunch pail and they bring it to work and they munch so um it would have been fun to pick Houston last week Justin would have picked Houston but the winning Justin picks West Virginia I am also going West Virginia here. Um, they're a good team. Like you said, they know who they are. They've figured it out. They they are a good team. Houston, I have zero confidence in Houston. Zero, none, no, none at all. nada, zip, zilch. Uh, yeah, give me West Virginia big. I think they cover the spread as well. I think they win by at least two scores. Two scores, huh? That confident. I'm very confident, which Alrighty. means it's going to be wrong, but it's okay. <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with that. Um, next up, Friday at 5 p.m. on ESPN, you have Tulane and their beautiful green wave traveling to Memphis to um, play against the other party in the Memphis Beach Brawl. Um, Tulane <laughs> is favored by five points on the road at Memphis. Jared, what's your read on this one? This is interesting. Um, Tulane kind of flying under the radar. Uh, their one game that everybody watched, they lost um, because their starting quarterback was out. And so I think people are kind of down on Tulane. Memphis, I think, is one of those teams that is always a wannabe. They always want to be considered top of the AAC. They always want to fight with the big boys. But anytime they actually play the big boys, they lose. So I'm going to pick Tulane in this one. I think Memphis just holds true to who they are. And that's just a subpar G5 program that thinks they're better than they are. Interesting, Jared. With that in mind, I got to take Memphis. Um, Memphis this year is really flying under the radar. You mentioned Tulane as flying under the radar. Memphis is 4-1 and one on the year. Their only loss, a touchdown loss to Missouri at Mizzou. Ooh. But at the same time, they only beat Navy by four and Boise State by three. So, like, this is a very weird team. They are at home. I'll give them that. The fact that they're at home, I think, does provide some advantage with yep. their weird colors. Um, yeah, honestly, I think Memphis will beat Tulane in this one. I think Tulane is very good. I just don't think they're as good as they were last year. I think it's time that Memphis actually steps up and stops being that little baby weirdo loser that you mentioned. Uh, I'm very excited for that game, whatever happens. I think it's going to be a great Friday night game. Uh, as we move to Saturday – 10 a.m. on ESPN2, really the only 10 a.m. game of consequence. Uh, very mm -hmm. weak morning slate. 
Um, James Madison, absolutely on fire ever since they joined the FBS. They're playing host to Georgia Southern, who, Clay Helton, uh, actually has these guys playing really well. Um, Clay Helton. Yes. Uh, they are no longer shotgunning beers on top of the bus as it drives away. They are playing very good football, scoring a lot of points. But JMU, I mean, they're a wagon. They, they are a very good football team. So, Justin, who are you taking in this one? The wagon comes crashing down in this game. I think Georgia Southern and Clay Helton takes their weird triple option hybrid to James Madison and lays down some wood. Um, I think Georgia Southern is going to win this game by at least 10 points, honestly. JMU is very good, right? JMU is a wagon. I just think that Clay Helton, with his prestigious Pac-12 coaching experience at USC, just has the leg up on JMU. Obviously, if you didn't get the sarcasm, that prestigious coaching job, you, <laughs> there was sarcasm there. But, um, yeah, honestly, I think – I don't know why I feel this way, but I feel like Georgia Southern is going to win this football game. Okay. See, I, we differ again. I'm going with James Madison here. Um, James Madison, very, very good football team uh, last year. Their only loss – or one of their only losses – I can't remember if they had two, but I do remember they lost – 45 to 38 to Georgia Southern last year. Uh, one of their only losses on the year. I think they are coming with revenge in mind. They play at home. They've been playing awesome. I think this is going to be a very fun and exciting game, but I think James Madison is going to pull it out in the end. It may be closer than four and a half points, but I'm definitely taking the over at whatever number it ends up at. All right, man. Oh, dude, I, I, I honestly see that over. If you guys don't know, Georgia Southern is a touchdown machine. They put up like literally five to seven touchdowns every single game. It's ridiculous. Yep. At 5.30 p.m. on Saturday on ABC, the number 25 Miami Hurricane will be taking on the number 12 North Carolina Tar Heels. North Carolina is a a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. Jared, who are you going with? Uh, This is kind of weird because UNC is only favored by three-and-a-half. And usually you give a, like around mm. two to three points for home field advantage. Um, yeah. And so like, this is a pretty close game on a neutral field, right? Which is weird because I feel like UNC should be favored by a lot. Drake may is balling. The defense is actually like decent, like not horrible. Um, and Miami just had like the worst letdown in all of human creation. Uh, so I'm going to go with North Carolina here, but I'm not as confident as I feel like I should be in this pick. Um, I feel like there's something up here. I feel like Miami, I don't know what to expect from them, whether they're going to be like the downtrodden, like, Oh, our coach sucks, blah, blah, blah. Or they're going to be like, no, we need to come out and prove that our, like we got our coaches back and stuff like that. So not sure exactly what to expect here, but I think North Carolina is just a better team. And so I'm betting on that. Dude, fair enough. I, I was looking at this, right? And I was saying UNC is part of the ACC. So it's got to self-cannibalize at some point, right? There's no <laughs> way it's making the playoff. There's no way it's going undefeated, anything like that. So I looked at their schedule and I was like, does it make sense that UNC takes its loss here? And then I saw their final three games of the year, back to back to back, are Duke at home, on the road versus Clemson, and on the road versus NC State. It is much more likely that they take their loss in that stretch. So for that reasoning and that reasoning alone, I think Unk takes care of Miami. 
Yeah, uh, back on the same page there. I bet Miami's going to win this one now. Um, <laughs> moving along, <laughs> we got Saturday, 6 p.m. on Fox, UCLA at Oregon State, top 20 matchup. Uh, Oregon State favored by three and a half at home. So, again, pretty close matchup here. UCLA has been super weird. They laid that absolute stinker against Utah and then has played – pretty well you know in all their other games Oregon State kind of the opposite like they played really well against Utah um I guess not really well they played well against Utah and then they've kind of been up and down throughout the rest of their games uh interesting game in the Pac-12 kind of these the second tier we all know the Pac-12 has like Oregon Washington USC these super good teams but then we have the second tier with UCLA Washington State Oregon State and Utah if they ever uh decide not to be the Iowa of the West. So this big second tier matchup here, Justin, are you going with the Beavs or the Bruins? I honestly have not been super impressed by UCLA this year. Uh, My brother, John is going to kill me for saying this, but with this one, I have to follow my heart. I have to follow my gut. I have to follow the beautiful music of the DJ ukulele, unga, lunga, bunga. I have to go with. (laughs) uh chainsaw noises then i think it is um (laughs) chainsaw noises exactly um this is an interesting one like you said i don't trust ucla worth a dang like oregon state their one win or their one loss so far has been to washington state and washington state torched them right scored what was it 40 points 38 points on them uh fought hard in that game, but they lost because they were outgunned. UCLA is not a team that's going to outgun you. I don't think they're that good. So I'm also going with Oregon state here. Like UCLA is nothing to be like laughed at. Um, but I just, they just don't have the firepower to, to keep up with Oregon state who I think is a well-oiled machine at this point. Dude, that's fair enough. I can totally see that happening. Well, Hey, there is going to be some fireworks in this next game. Some boom, 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 pow. Them Jaggers cramping my style. Is that, is that how it goes? Dude, I'm sorry. I, I I'm know. out of touch. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Sorry, Black Eyed Peas. Um, anyway, uh, Saturday, 5 p.m. on CBS Sports Nation. Wyoming will be traveling to Colorado to play Air Force. Air Force is a 10.5 point. Home favorite versus the pee-pee-poo-poo Cowboys. Jared, who do you got? In any other circumstance, I would choose Wyoming. I've watched a lot of Wyoming this year, which is really weird to say, really weird to hear myself say. Um, they they look really good. I mean, they beat Texas Tech. They beat App State. Um, their only loss was to Texas, and they had them in a one-score game in the fourth quarter. They've been really good. But, man, this Air Force team is awesome they are serial killers of the west mm-hmm. like yeah. they they are a wagon they are an elephant in a sheep's pen i i don't know what else to say here air force is gonna win the game i'm going with air force though i think wyoming will put up a good fight air force is just there on another level yeah i mean Wyoming has played three straight home games, which isn't super common, you know, to play three straight at this time of the year. 
App State, University of New Mexico, and Fregno Staple all at home. This is the first time they've been on the road in quite some time. This is the first true road test, right? You travel to Texas, but nobody expects you to win that game, right? right. So it's not like a road test. First true road test here. I think Air Force walks away with it. Sorry, flies away with the dub. Don't want to disrespect the Air Force Academy. <laughs> um, yeah, give me Air Force in this one. Go Falcons. Yeah, they are a very fun team to watch. They make the triple option look sexy. Like, yeah, they do. It, it is so fun to watch. Um, speaking of sexy, we move on to oh. Iowa and Wisconsin. There is not oh, another man. game that is sexier than that. Um, oh, two kids on Fox. No. We've got a rivalry battle for the Heartland Trophy. Uh, it's just like a giant pig, I think. Um, yeah. Classic Iowa, Wisconsin. I mean, all you got to do is see the colors, right? You see the colors of these teams, you know it's going to be a fun one. Just maybe not in the same way as other games would be fun. Um, it, this is going to be interesting. Wisconsin is 10-point favorite at home. And I know they're at home. Wisconsin is great home field. But that Iowa defense, that mm-hmm. Iowa defense. So, Justin, who are you going with in this one? Dude. Um, I have, I have no clue. Um, Wisconsin <laughs> started out this year weird, right? Yes. Beating Buffalo, but then losing to Washington state, everything, everyone was like, what the heck is happening there? Because nobody knew what Washington state was like. Then they beat Georgia Southern by 21 points, which is actually like saying quite a bit. Um, Iowa can't score and Wisconsin can't. And it comes down to that. If Wisconsin even scores one touchdown, Iowa cannot come back. And I think Wisconsin has the capability of scoring once, so I'm going with Wisconsin in this one. I am also rocking with the Badgers here, jumping around. I think it's just going to come down to, like you said, can Wisconsin score more for themselves than they score for Iowa? Because that's the only way Iowa is going to beat them is if Wisconsin scores more points for Iowa through pick sixes and whatnot. Then they score for themselves. I think Luke Fickle is starting to get his feet under him. I think they're starting to figure out what this new offense kind of looks like. Braylon Allen is an animal. He is a great football player. Um, And I think they walk away with this one. I don't know about the spread, but I think in the end, Wisconsin will be victorious. Saturday at 5.30 p.m. on NBC, the number 10 USC Trojans will be taking a trip to South Bend to play number 21, Notre Dame, who is favored by three points at home. Jared, who do you got in this battle versus the Trojans and touchdown Jesus? Uh, Very, very, very different cultures here. Um, Incredible rivalry. I'm very excited for this one. I'll be working during this game, so that is quite unfortunate. I'll be recording it and watching it late into the night along with the BYU game. Um, I'm very excited. This is so weird, though, because Notre Dame – like they this is their fifth, what was it, fourth or fifth straight primetime game on ABC or NBC. NBC. Um, mm-hmm. USC, they do not have a defense. Like you said, they don't even put a defense on the field. They just say we're gonna outscore you. They don't try. No. No, they, yeah, they don't even try. Um, whereas Notre Dame, on the other hand, like they have only played defense, it seems, for the last couple of weeks against uh Duke, Notre Dame or Duke, Ohio State, Louisville, right? Um, I, I'm kind of inclined to go with USC here, which is really stupid. Um, Notre Dame like has a decent offense, but USC's offense is just so good. Like, I don't think it matters what Notre Dame's defense is. I, 
I don't know. I hate this, and I'm probably going to be wrong, but I think USC is going to win this game. I don't have a lot of faith in Notre Dame after the offensive output we've seen for the last three weeks. So I think, you know, the best way to win is to score points, and I think USC is going to do that more than Notre Dame. Give me the uh, the fighting Caleb Williamses uh, and not the fighting Irish. Yeah, I mean, I was probably on the other side of this a couple of weeks ago, right, when I thought Sam Hartman was elite. Right. Uh, before he threw three picks. Um, I'm going with USC in this one just because I don't think it is Notre Dame's birthright to <laughs> upset USC's playoff run. I think that the birthright belongs to other Pac-12 teams that will self-cannibalize each other. Right. I can't I I don't think that's Notre Dame's job. So I'm going with USC simply because oh I typed in SUC suck instead. Um <laughs> USC because I think they'll be cannibalized by one of their own and not by touchdown Jesus. Yeah, I think you're hundred percent right. And Notre Dame is eliminated from the playoff now, right? With their second loss. What is there to play for as an independent now? Nothing, Nothing really. Yeah, we know how it goes. Um, next up. Ninth game. We have the biggest game of the weekend by far. Number eight, Oregon at number seven, Washington, 1.30 p.m. on ABC. This is the game. This is college game day. Battle for the West. These are the two best teams um, in the West, two of the best teams in the country. Oregon and Bo Nix taking on Michael Penis and Washington. Washington's playing at home, and they have a three-point edge in the spread which I mean, Washington has an incredible home field advantage. And so that's probably where that's coming from. If they're on a neutral field, I assume it's a pick them. So Justin, who are you going with in this one? I am really impressed this year by Oregon. Um, I haven't had the opportunity to watch a ton of Washington. I hear about how good Penix is playing about how athletic his wide receivers are. I hear all of this, but I have watched Oregon manhandle their opponent game after game after game that's the culture that dan lanning has instilled in his team and i think it will continue on saturday i think oregon pulls out a narrow win because they are able to manhandle washington in the trenches now i might be eating my words on come sunday i might be eating my words and i'm okay with that this is a fun football game i don't care who wins but with the knowledge that i have i have to pick oregon in this one this is so hard. This is so hard. I get your reasoning. And I think Oregon has looked like kind of the better team at like holistically, right? They've not played down to the level of their opponent at all. They've absolutely torched people, the trenches, like you said, the defense. Washington has none of that. They they don't have this incredible defense. The defense played well, but it's not insane. Um, they played down to the level of the opponent against Arizona a couple weeks ago, which we know Arizona cover machine, right? Um, when I've watched Washington, like I have thought they're the best team in the country that they, I have seen zero like faults in their game. Whereas with Oregon, you just kind of like it glazes over because they're just a good team beating the crap out of people. So it's like, eh, so I don't, I don't really know what to choose here. Washington went to Otson and beat Oregon last year. Can Oregon come back into the dog, the whatever, the sound, the the Husky Stadium, um, 
can they come in and do the same? I think I think this is one of those games where I'm going to go against every bone in my body that's telling me to pick Oregon, and I'm going to take Washington. I think I, everything tells me to pick Oregon, the fact that they lost last year, the fact that they've looked like a better team, the fact that they have a better defense, the fact that uh, Bo Nix is a little more careful with the ball uh, than Michael Penis is, uh, the fact that Bo Nix doesn't have a nickname that involves genitalia. Um I'm going with Washington here. I could be completely wrong about this, and Oregon could come out looking like the better team and play like it, but for some reason, I just have a bone in my body telling me to pick Washington, and I'm going to go with it. Give me the Huskies. Counterpoint, Jared. Bo Dix. Ooh! I haven't heard that one before. There is it's a already written. I can't him. change my pick now. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> we finish off this Tipsy 10 slate with a 1.30 p.m. game on ESPN Saturday where your Brigham Young University Cougars will be taking on the Texas Christian University Horned Frogs. TCU is a six-point favorite at home versus the Cougars. Jared, I already know who you got. Tell me your score prediction. I'm going with BYU, and I'm thinking 31-17. to 17. I think it oh. could be 31-14. I don't, I don't think this game is very close. I think coming off of a bye, one of the earliest buys that I remember in my entire life for BYU. Yeah. No like, more week I don't know. I, it kind of scares me because why is TCU favored by six? Like, I get that we're on the road and we're playing in the daytime, but BYU is a good football team. I think we find ways to win. I think we're scrappy. I think if we can just limit turnovers, then we have a great shot to win this game. I have zero faith in TCU. Not only did they lose to West Virginia and Iowa State, but they're on their backup quarterback. They threw four picks against I like everything is leaning in BYU's favor, which makes me a little worried. But I'm I'm pretty confident that we're gonna come out and we're gonna win pretty handily, get in the garbage time, maybe allow a touchdown, right? Um, but I definitely think we're winning this game. And I don't think uh I obviously this is gonna come back to bite me, but I don't think we're gonna be sweating this one out at all. I think it's gonna be uh, a good win for BYU. Instill a lot of confidence in the fan base and in the team. Yeah, I think TCU is favored in this one by so much just because Vegas does not respect BYU, what we do. I mean, um, the odds are all a calculation, right? Right. Takes in all of your stats, and statistically, BYU is terrible. We are. We get outgained. We shouldn't we be get four and one. Outplayed. We should not in any universe be four. We are living in the one universe where BYU is four and one. The one Dr. Strange is pointing at us with the one, like the one finger hold up saying, this is the one universe in which you are four and one. That is why they're favored. But I do think that BYU will win this football game. I don't think that BYU will put up a ton of offense just because we haven't been able to do it all year yet. Why would we now? I think BYU wins this game. 27 to 20. Okay. A little bit close, but still like a solid victory. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's, that's a TCU garbage time touchdown, right? Like, okay. BYU is in control of the game up 27, 13 into the fourth quarter. TCU scores late. BYU attempts to run out the clock, but somehow can't because that's what BYU does, gives the ball back to TCU with two minutes left, and TCU is unable to score. All right. Um, 
I would be okay with both of these results. Um, obviously, because they are both Ws. I honestly, I'm past the point of caring like how much we win by, right? Yeah. I I just want to win. I don't care what it looks like. I just want to win. And if we win, like, I'm happy. It makes me worried when there's things that aren't sustainable, like rushing for two yards carry. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. think that's sustainable. I don't think you can keep winning and do that all season. But, hey, I would love for them to prove me wrong. Um, Yeah, me too. I think this is going to be a great game. Objectively speaking, I think this is going to be a fun game. I think these are two very evenly matched teams. I think both of them have been hindered by injuries. TCU maybe the more so. Um, at least in higher, uh, like the big, the bigger uh, and most important positions. But I think it's still going to be a fun game. I think it's going to be a fun atmosphere. You're going to get a lot of, you know, from ESPN, you're going to get a lot of lookbacks to the Mountain West era. You're getting a lot of talk about how TCU dominated us uh, for the last couple of meetings. Um, but I think BYU is going to show up. I think we win the game, baby. I'm excited. Heck yeah. We got to love it. I did. I'm confident BYU wins this football game. Will I be distraught if we lose? No. Um, You're losing to a team that, to put it nicely, I guess, went to the college football playoff last year. Yeah. Uh, It doesn't matter who they are this year. They went to the college football playoff last year. So as long as we can fight and not, not turn the ball over a ton, I will be happy with BYU in this game. Obviously, we want a victory. And I think as long as BYU does not turn the ball over, they will win. But yeah, I just want to see, I just want to see a good, clean game where both teams fight hard. May <laughs> you know, but please bless both teams that they might play to the best of their abilities. You know, and have sportsmanship. I did. I will do. I I've gotten in trouble many times for laughing at people praying for sportsmanship. My wife has definitely flicked me in the ear a time or two for that. <laughs> Um, well, that about wraps it up for us. We've been going far too long already. Uh, let's get out of here, shall we? Let's do it. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Royal Strong and True Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever platform you may be listening to this on. Share the episode with your friend. Make sure you download it as well. And make sure you're following us on Instagram and Twitter at loyal to Royal Pod, where you'll find lots of fun and interactive content, lots of memes, lots of good stuff. Check out royalstrongandtrue.com where you will find Jared's weekend watch guides that will tell you what games to watch, when and where, so that you can maximize your college football viewing pleasure this week. We love you guys. We'll see you next time.